Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Halfway through the week can be an exhausting thing, but listen, I want to tell you something tonight, that it should be yours and my pleasure to sacrifice for the kingdom. It really ought to be something we should not shy away from, that we should not hold back from, but to sacrifice our time, our comfort, our Wednesday night for the kingdom. We should not just say, oh, I have to go to church on Wednesday. No, you know what we ought to do? We should say, I get to go to church on Wednesday nights. It ought to be our pleasure to make a sacrifice for the kingdom. And truly, what kind of sacrifice is it? When we read about believers in other nations like Turkey or like China, whose churches are being burned down, that they are being beaten and tortured for the Lord, hey, you got it good, y'all. You are a blessed people. And what kind of, truly, what kind of sacrifice are we making to be in the house of God on a Wednesday night? I do appreciate all of you. Uh, who make that priority, and to be here and to uh, be ready to receive from the Lord. So tonight, Luke chapter 9, God began to challenge me about this message this evening, and I want to uh, preach a message to you. Tonight uh, happens to be uh, a very special day on the calendar for many Christians around the world. Today is uh, known in in most of the... uh, Orthodox world and in the Catholic world as Ash Wednesday. Uh, Maybe you might have even seen a few people today with little ash marks on their foreheads. This is uh, something that many uh, Christian traditions hold to. And it is the beginning of what is known as the Lent period. It is 40 days of what is supposed to be fasting, prayer, repentance, leading up to the most holy day on the Christian calendar of Easter and, of course, Resurrection Sunday. And so we are here tonight uh, to observe and to recognize that this is an important day. Now, a lot of people have obviously made light of this. Mardi Gras is the big party that's supposed to take place on the day before Ash Wednesday. They live it up. Mardi Gras literally The translated word, it means Fat Tuesday. It's the day that everybody parties and has a good time. And then show up to church Wednesday to get some ashes on your forehead. Uh, And and a lot of people treat this lightly. A lot of people, uh, but, but I believe that it is rooted in a very healthy thing. And there's a reason why we take a time period of 40 days that period that the Catholics and and other uh, Christian traditions would call Lent, L-E-N-T, 
not what you pull out of your belly button. I'm talking about Lent. And uh, this, this period of Lent is a time of uh, reflection. It's a time of repentance. It's a time where we begin to turn our hearts and our minds back to the place where it really ought to be. On that cross that Jesus died upon, and then three days later was resurrected from the dead. Today marks 40, uh, about 40, I believe it's actually 44 days on the calendar until the celebration of Easter. And I want to challenge you on this day to do what many of our Catholic and Orthodox and uh, Lutheran and and many other tradition faith, what they are doing tonight, I want to challenge you as God's people to do something similar. And in the scripture we're going to read tonight, we're going to find Jesus who does this very thing. The Bible uh, declares that when the time comes, Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, that he turned his attention, he resolved himself in his heart and his mind to do what he had come to do. He made a resolution in his heart, and he set his face. And so that's what the title of this message is tonight, Set Your Face. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 51. It says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly, say the word steadfastly, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, listen why, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And now skipping down to verse 62, same chapter, it says, But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Set your face tonight. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I'm praying once again that, that we would experience, Lord, your presence and your power. God, you are not an object to be observed. But God, you are a living and a holy God to be experienced, to be felt by our hearts, and to be, and to be entertained by our minds. I'm praying, God, that our hearts would be turned once again toward you, toward the will of God that you have for us. And in this season, as we begin uh, to contemplate and to consider and think about the blood that was shed and the body that was broken and the resurrection three days later. God, I'm praying that your people, that in our lives in 2019, that we also would turn our face to whatever it is, God, that you have for us. And we thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Amen. This is my encouragement tonight, to set your face. All of us tonight have a Jerusalem. Jesus came to this earth nearly 2,000 years ago, 
And when he did, he spent his early years the way that many, many children would. Of course, his birth was surrounded by so many incredible miracles. The star that rested over Bethlehem, the kings who traveled from afar to lay at his feet incredible gifts that Jesus, as he came into this world, had so many incredible uh, the, the angelic choir that sang before the shepherds. And, and Jesus came into this world and then began to face the difficulties that the world has to give. King Herod attempted to take Jesus out before he even had a chance to grow, killing all of the babies that were two years old or less in all of Judea. And as Jesus had to flee, him, uh, the, the angel warned Joseph in the dream to flee down to Egypt. And Jesus grew some of his years there in Egypt, coming back after it was safe. And we don't get a lot of details about his younger life. We don't get a lot of details about how he grew or what he did during those years, but we do get a little glimpse uh, when he is about 12 or 13 years old, a time traditionally when young boys in the Jewish tradition would have their bar mitzvah. It was a time when the culture, the Jewish culture would mark that before this moment, this is a boy. But as of this day, bar mitzvah, we consider this boy now to become a man. And at that age of 13 years old, a boy will have a bar mitzvah uh, celebration and he will begin taking on greater responsibility. And we see that's exactly what Jesus does. He, we see him for the first time teaching in the temple. We see him, who get, he gets left behind as his parents begin traveling back to Nazareth. And they forget about Jesus, and, and he's there. He's teaching in the temple, and he, he, he is amazed. They're amazed at him. Everyone is amazed. And then we also, we don't see him again after that time. For a long time in the Scripture, we don't know what happens in those teenage years, in those early years as he begins to grow, as he begins to become a man, as he uh, makes his mark on this world. We pick his story back up again at the age of around 30 years old, as he begins his ministry. What I want to, the point I want to make to you tonight, as we think about these things, is that all of that time, as Jesus was growing, all of those years, 30 years that he spent on the earth, no doubt he was worried about the same things you worry about. He did all of the similar things that you did. He ought, sought to please his parents. He wanted to make a living for himself. No doubt he, was, he had you know, the daily needs of food and clothing that he began to think about. But here's what I want you to remember tonight. That throughout all of that time, Jesus always had before him Jerusalem. In the back of his mind, he understood the reason that I am here is the cross. The reason that my Father in heaven sent me to this world is not just to make tables with my Father, is not just to be a carpenter, is not only to fill up a space in my family and be the firstborn and have, teach a, 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 have, have a good example for my younger brothers and sisters. No doubt Jesus did all of those things, but I want to tell you 
Always in the back of his mind, he was preparing. In his mind, he was thinking. And he knew, I believe he knew and he understood from an early age, one day, the time will come for me to turn my face toward Jerusalem. One day, the time will come when I have to put earthly pursuits behind, when I have to leave other priorities on the side, and I have to begin to set my face to Jerusalem. Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 50, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Jesus always in His heart, in His mind, He knew that one day, the day would come that He would have to set His face toward Jerusalem, toward the pain and the suffering that He would have to endure, but oh, that would be only momentary because what it would produce is the salvation for all of mankind. When the time came to pass, the time came for him to be received up, that he steadfastly. I want you to focus in on that word. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He resolved within his heart. He said, I will do this thing and nothing will stop me. I, when I studied the word, in the Greek there, that is, in our English language, we don't have a good word to translate it. It's actually only one word where it says, he steadfastly set his face. In our English, it's, it's four words, but in the Greek, it's only one word compounded. It literally means to establish, to make a foundation, to set something in motion. When Jesus began to set his face, he steadfastly said, I now, my future, my hope, my vision is now in Jerusalem. Now, I just want to remind you all that Jerusalem held for him. Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. No doubt he had visited for for the feast days and for the celebrations that all Jews would, would go to from time to time. He had been to Jerusalem, but can I tell you, he did not set his face there to go on a vacation. He did not set his face to Jerusalem to go party with some friends. Jesus steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem with the understanding that there is going to be suffering. There is going to be pain. There is going to be sacrifice. That's why the word steadfastly is so important in our scripture. My daughter, Jaylee, has recently, we, we, just, we were able to get her some, some uh, dental insurance. Praise God, she needed some dental work. And so now she's beginning to understand that the dentist isn't such a fun place to go. And, uh, and so, you know, just today my wife is on the phone making an appointment to go back once again for, for some orthodonture 
um, assessment. And, uh, and as soon as Jaylee heard Taya on the phone talking to the people, she started going, no, not again. She's been like three times in the past couple of weeks. Not again, she said. But you know, I don't know about you, but when I have to go to the dentist, I have to do almost like Jesus did. Oh, is today the day I look at my phone? Oh, there's the appointment. And it's like, okay, I can do this. You tense up your jaw and like, a, like you know, you, you have to steadfastly, I cannot be wavered. This is what I will do. And in those moments, we have to put aside our fantasies of running away in the middle of the procedure. We have to put away our ideas of slapping those tools out of the doctor's hands. We have to steadfastly, I'm not going to wiggle, I'm not going to whine, I'm not going to make noises, I'm not going to be annoying, I'm just going to set my face and I'm going to do it. And isn't it wonderful that we live in a time where, you know, they can numb your face up and you don't really feel much anyway. <laughs> it used to be 100 years ago they couldn't do that. You'd have to drink whiskey before you showed up. But thank God, it's not so bad. But think about what Jesus, when he set his face toward Jerusalem, what he was really turning toward. In Isaiah chapter 50, this is part of the uh, suffering uh, servant that is described in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 50, beginning with verse 5, the Lord God has opened my ear. And I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave, listen to this, I gave my back to those who struck me. I gave my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. This is what it means to have a heart that is resolved for the will of God, no matter what comes. That's why I mentioned tonight that, you know, it is a wonderful thing to be able to sacrifice for the kingdom. I understand coming to church on a Wednesday night can be, can be a hardship, can be an annoyance, can be something that, uh, you know, takes away from your time of rest and family, dinner, and homework, and listen, we're going through all the same things that you are. But can I tell you something? Long ago, I made up my mind. I'm going to be in church on Wednesday nights. I'm going to set my face, and I'm not going to miss. A long time ago, as a new convert, I made up my mind. You know what? Saturday mornings are for outreach. And I know I've got... Plenty of stuff going on. I could be making money on Saturday. But I have set my face. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. Made up my mind. Sunday morning, Sunday night, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be doing the will of God. I'm going to be busy about His kingdom and not my own. Have you set your face toward Jerusalem? 
You see, because in the Bible, what we see is that there are times in your life that you are going to be required by God to set your face toward whatever it is that God has for you, even when it is going to cause disappointment, pain, suffering, difficulty. Think of Abraham. Abraham, who had received his son, the son of promise, after waiting for so long. And one day, God taps him on the shoulder and says, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, the one that you love, and take him up to the mountain and there sacrifice him as a burnt sacrifice. Now, that would be very easy to ignore. Maybe I had some bad pizza last night. Uh... That wasn't from God. Get, get away from me, Satan. I bind you in Jesus' name. But Abraham did none of that. What did he do? The Bible said the next morning he woke up early and began to put together the supplies. He set his face. He set his face. This is what I, God called me to do it, and this is what I will do. How about, how about the Hebrew boys? in the Babylonian Empire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when all of the kingdom of Babylon began to bow down in worship at the idol that was made, the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar, and all of popular uh, culture, all of the time, all of those people, the, 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 the glorious young people who had come from all around the world at that time to be indoctrinated, in Babylonian culture, and the music began to play. And as the music began to play around them as thousands, thousands of other young people with potential, all of them bowing down to this statue made of gold. Bowing down. And here's these three young boys who are faced with a decision. They are Hebrews. They are Israelites. They are Jews, which means... We don't bow down to any statue. It means we bow down to one, to God and God alone. And they knew what they were doing, didn't they? Can you imagine the scene? Thousands of young people bowing down to worship a statue of gold. And there they are, standing. We're not going to bow down. They set their face. They said, you better bow down. They got the attention of the king. King Nebuchadnezzar, look at these young boys. Look at them. They're standing right there, standing out from the crowd, sometimes living for God. means you're going to have to stand out from the crowd. means you're going to have to swim upstream. When everybody else, dead fish, are floating down the river, you're going to have to stand up and make a stand for Christ, even when it makes you a target. And Nebuchadnezzar targets these young men and he says, you, you're going to bow down or else you see that furnace, you're going in that furnace. And what did they say? Okay, you can throw us in there if you want to, king. Whether God saves us or not, we will not bow down to your stinking idol. God give us young people who would have that same fire and passion in their hearts to stand for the living God in a culture that bows down to the wickedness of sexual perversion, bowing down to the wickedness 
the music, the culture. Listen, you turn on a radio station, you'll be violated in the first 30 seconds. And yet a whole generation bowing down. These young men stood and they had to set their face toward a furnace. We'll go in there if we have to, but we're not bowing. And God delivered him, all three of them. Daniel, Daniel would not compromise. In the time of compromise, they said, we'll throw you in the pit with the lions, the hungry ones that didn't eat for the last two weeks. And he says, well, if that's what I got to do, I'm still going to do it. He set his face toward the lion pit. I'm not going to be a half-hearted Christian. I'm not going to be some lame, jello believer. I'm going to stand up for what's right. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. These are all incredible examples of men who set their face to do what was right, even if it meant that it was going to hurt them. We have such a rich tradition in the Christian faith of men and women who would not allow the world to compromise them, who would not allow, who, who, uh, who would not turn their face away from God's will for their lives. The first martyr we read of in the book of Acts is a man by the name of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. Give us the account of when Stephen was considered. Uh, he, he is standing before a crowd and he's speaking about Jesus. But as he's preaching, you know the story, his words begin to offend everyone who is listening. He began to tell them their history of the Jewish people. He began to speak about Abraham and Moses and the promised land and the prophets. And he began to preach to them their history. And he says all of these they were leading up to the ultimate prophet, the one who gave his life for you, the same one that you killed and crucified, Jesus Christ. Oh, the crowd didn't want to hear that. The Bible said that they stopped their ears. Said, we don't want to hear it. They began to gnash their teeth at him. They be a riot began to rise up. They began to throw stones at him to kill him but he wouldn't turn his face. He wouldn't run away. He wouldn't back down. He wouldn't say, oh, sorry, guys, I didn't mean it. I'll be quiet. Can I tell you the devil loves quiet Christians who only believe in their heart, who only pray on Sunday mornings and don't allow their faith out in public? Andrew was one of the very first disciples of Jesus. He had been a disciple of John. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. We know of his life that after, after the, the events of the book of Acts, and he went on to preach around the Black Sea. He was influential in starting many churches. He was the, church, the church, founder of the church in Byzantium, which became Constantinople. 
And the tradition tells us that Andrew was ultimately crucified on a cross in the shape of the letter X on the coast of the Peloponnese Islands. They said that because Andrew refused to be crucified in the same manner of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he wouldn't turn his face. He says, I'm going I'm to keep preaching, and if you have to put me on a cross for that, that's okay with me. Simon Peter, of course. Simon Peter was martyred under the reign of Emperor Nero in the, somewhere in the years between 64 and 67. Again, he... When he ultimately faced his death, they were going to lead him to the cross to crucify him. And like Andrew, his older brother, he says, I refuse. You're not going to crucify me in the same way that you crucified my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they said, okay, then we'll just flip you upside down. And that's what they did. So many amazing stories of Christians who would not turn their face. William Tyndale burned at the stake for translating the Bible. We have stories of people like Richard Wormbrand in Romania under communism. There's a movie that recently came out about his life. I hope to show that. Some, some time here in the church. But he was literally, for 20 years of his life, tortured every single day. Saying, all you have to do is renounce your faith in Christ. And you can leave. We'll send you back to your family. They're there waiting for you. We've been watching them. And every day for 20 years, they beat him. They mocked him. They tortured him, and the whole time he was witnessing to all of those captors about Jesus, telling them about the love of Christ that could set him free. He wouldn't turn his face. What about you tonight? Have you turned your face toward Jerusalem? Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. This is where we get this song that we sang tonight. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Tonight, so there's going to be a time in your life that you're going to have to make up your mind. You're going to have to steadfastly set your face to live for God. Not just because someone else is putting pressure on you. Not just because pastor said it was the right thing that I should do. Not just because, you know, your parents or, or somebody else in your life is, is putting pressure on you. No, at some point, we've all got to make up our minds. You know what? Even if it kills me, I'm going to set my face steadfastly to do the things that God wants me to do. 
Thankfully, most of us have not been called to martyrdom. Not many of us in America in 2019 have the privilege and the honor to be martyred for our faith. But what we do have this evening is we have a choice to make. It's obedience. Obedience. Can I remind you tonight that obedience to God is the proof of our love for Him? Philippians 2 verse 8, Jesus, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Isaiah 50 verse 5, the Lord God has opened my ear, I was not rebellious. Jesus, Matthew 26, 39, He went further and fell on His face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Can I tell you tonight, this is what God's looking for. Sometimes we make too much out of it. We make it too complicated. We often think of the will of God as something that's far away, way out there, you know, years down the road, one day if I could ever possibly. Now listen, the will of God, Jerusalem is right around the corner. Jerusalem is just one decision away. What is your Jerusalem tonight? Something that's going to perhaps cause some discomfort in your life. If I truly live for God, if I truly do what He wants me to do, there's going to be a price to pay. Set your face tonight. Steadfastly. Oftentimes, what we forget is that it's only those who set their face toward Jerusalem who one day will experience the miracle of resurrection. See, I want to tell you that the miracle of the resurrection was only possible if Jesus would give His body and His life on the cross. Without the cross, there is no resurrection. Without the death, there is no life. Without the pain, there is no joy. And the same is true in so many Christians' lives, beloved, that we are not experiencing the fullness of joy because we are unwilling to go to the cross. Jesus, He said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you must take up your cross once a week. Is that what it said? You must take up your cross twice a month. You must take up your cross at least every Christmas and every Easter. Is that what it said? If you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross every day and follow me. Because that's what Jesus did. He set his face toward Jerusalem. He said, I must be about my Father's business. And what about us tonight? 
We let the world get in the way. We let our own stinking laziness get in the way. We let our flesh get in the way. We allow the devil's schemes to have victory. We get distracted playing Angry Birds or Fortnite. I have to update that, you know, every so often. But we do, don't we? We get things get in the way. We let our stupid, petty little things that one day, a thousand years from now, when you're in heaven and Jesus taps you on the shoulder, he's not going to say, do you remember that high score you got on Fortnite? You remember that? That was awesome. Good job. Jesus doesn't care about your stupid video game. He cares about the friend that you have who's on his way to hell. And a thousand years from now, when Jesus taps you on the shoulder and he says, do you remember when it was uncomfortable for you, but you stepped out and shared your testimony with that friend of yours? That was awesome. Thank you for standing up for me. Now I'm going to stand up for you. A thousand years from now, Jesus is not going to tap you on your shoulder and say, man, do you remember that one year that you made $80,000 in salary? That was amazing. Are you kidding me? The one God who has everything, he's not impressed with your sixty dollars or $70,000 or $80,000 salary. You know what he is impressed with? How much do you give? much do you share? What difference do you make? I'm not against wealth. God, give us some Holy Ghost wealthy people. Praise the Lord for that. But I'm saying tonight, what do we use it for? Do we engorge our lives and forget about Jerusalem? Jesus set his face. I close with this last scripture from Luke chapter 9. There's, at the end of this chapter, as Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem, it's interesting in verse 53, he was going through a village of the Samaritans, they were preparing for, they wanted him to stay for a few days, and if you, if you see that, it's interesting because the Bible says in verse 53 that they did not receive him. They wanted him to come and spend some time with him and have a, have a, you know, have a nice time together, fellowship. The Bible says on that night, Jesus did not go in, in with them because his face was set. Sometimes, beloved, sometimes living for God means that we've got to put other things aside. Not to say that that was an evil gathering. Just Jesus, he said, my face is set and I can't be distracted. At the end of this chapter, verse 57, they were journeying on the road. And someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, do you remember what Jesus had just said a moment before? He says, I set my face to Jerusalem, including the cross, the blood, the torture, the pain. He says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus, it's almost like Jesus is trying to talk him out of it. Listen to what he says. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. 
Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go preach the kingdom of God. Finally, another man, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And these are the words that ought to echo in your mind. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This comes from a background of agricultural world. In those days, they would have plows and they would have to have both hands on the plow as being pulled by an animal. And that farmer, as he's plowing his field, he is trying to make straight lines. The straighter the lines, the better the crop. And so in order to make that plow, that field, to be fruitful, he's got to keep his hands on the plow. He's got to keep his eyes ahead of him. All of his heart is looking forward. What would you think of a farmer who's just hanging out? Got the earbuds. Plowing in style. That doesn't work, does it? Jesus says, my kingdom, if it's going to be fruitful, you're going to have to have hands on the plow. Your head, your heart engaged. You can't coast your way through the kingdom of God. You can't do that. You can't coast your way to the cross. If we're going to end up in Jerusalem, beloved, it's not because we just bumped up to, oh, oh, is this my day? Oh, Lord, uh, I guess it is my, resur- my crucifixion day. Uh, can I get a few Roman soldiers over here, please? No. Jesus' entire life was leading up to this moment. Can I ask you, what is your life leading up to? What is the Jerusalem that he has set before you? I believe that God has a will and a purpose and a plan for every single one of us. And if we are going to achieve it, beloved, it's because our hands are on the plow and we are looking ahead. No one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Will you set your face tonight to Jerusalem? Let's bow our heads. And close our eyes as we bring this service to an end. And as God is speaking to our hearts once again and drawing us to Himself. Aren't you glad for a Savior who did not... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.